Hey, so how's it going? Um, well, I have a keeping a secret from you. Uh, I don't, I don't like that. So I guess we're done now. <laughs> Yesterday, one of our fans slid into my DMs. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was someone you know. Oh. Okay. It was your sister-in-law, Amy. Oh, really? Yeah. And she just reached out to tell me how much better she likes me than you. Um, I don't believe you. And <laughs> um, that's okay. Um, you two are just trying to hurt me. And... Um... <laughs> That's fine. It's I I started therapy today, so I just have she something. She said else. you would have a hard time with it. I yeah. She have, told me. I have something else to tell my therapist about next week that everyone's conspiring <laughs> against me now. So, well, good. I'm glad y'all have each other. Yes, we do. I now have Amy and and Doctor Sarah. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Undoubtedly, Dr. Sarah likes you more than she likes me most days. It's because she doesn't have to live with me. Right. That's all. I mean, <laughs> That's all. So, I have news. Tell me. When this episode comes out, it is a new day in America. Yes, because it comes out on Inauguration Day, and Trump won't be president anymore, and Joe Biden will be president, and everything's going to be better, right? Hallelujah. Listen, did you see that the um that New York already has charges prepared to like unseal the minute he's not president anymore? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. You know, I I have mixed feelings. I feel like listen, the man's a criminal and he belongs behind bars, but I also feel like his supporters will view it as uh, like a martyrdom of sorts and that will keep them riled up. And so I don't know what the best course of action for that is, but like, I feel like there has to be some kind of like middle ground that people can like, I mean, I know we haven't heard this word in four years, but bipartisanly come together and make a decision on, like, yes, he should be impeached and never be allowed to run for office again. I'm not sure if throwing him in jail or prison is going to be the best thing for everyone. I mean, and I say that, I say that knowing that that's an unpopular opinion and, and with the, the feeling in my heart that, that, that he belongs in jail. Right. I'm just saying in order for us to kind of like move on from this fucking dystopian nightmare we've been living in for the past four years, it might not be the best decision. Well, the, the thing is, I don't, I don't know that there is a decision that will have yeah. any kind of positive impact on his lackeys who slided in my DM saying things like the insurrection was Antifa as I roll my eyes. Um, oh God, you read the, the, comments on my post right yeah i i think that when you're that brainwashed like you're just that brainwashed and that that has been truly the most heartbreaking thing to me it is it's terrible and it's it's so sad and but i also think that like well nothing might make them feel better i feel like maybe there are some things that would cause a 
worse reaction. Yeah. There's just no. I don't know. There's just no good there's, answer. It, there is no good answer, and it all sucks and it's terrible. But we do get a new president on Wednesday, and hopefully things will start getting a lot better in this country. I have a lot of hope. I have hope. Um, and I have to say, your skin looks amazing. Thank you. And um, your hair looks great. Thank you. And, it's not fixed right now. Sorry. <laughs> but still, I really love this color. I like this this bronze kind of situation. Oh, it's going to get lighter. Oh, I know. But I like this bronze situation on you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I have decided I'm that happy I, right now. I'm going through with my nose ring soon. Excellent. Or I'll die. Um, and once my hair is growing out to the length that I want, it's going red. So I am changing it up. We're just living life. Oh, I'm totally pumped about this. Let's do it. Yep. I I am all about just embracing myself and uh, what I want to do with my own life and my own body and my, like, whatever. So that Fuck is... everybody else. That is one of the things I have realized um, that... One of the unspoken oppressive things about teaching in, especially in the South, is like teachers are not allowed to have facial piercings. Um, mm -hmm. And like when I had green hair, I was asked specifically by my boss to dye it back because it was unprofessional. Um, and so I am excited that I get to have those freedoms back in the near future. Um, it's exciting. It is. Good times. So... Um, we are almost at the six minute mark already. How the hell did that happen? We just, I get oh. so caught up talking to my BFFL and then I forget that they're like people that are like relying on us to deliver hard news. That's what they're here for. And so, um, this is Dateline. That's what they're I here am. for. <laughs> oh, if you I'm want sorry. hard news, then I'm going to plug it right here. Go to our Patreon and listen to the Diamond Heist. The biggest robbery yeah. that never occurred. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But this you is know like, what? Oh, it's go gonna it's gonna be a good week. It is. I just feel it. I feel it. Um, this is lifetime sentence because I don't want to forget. And I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And now we can continue whatever we were doing, but I just sometimes forget to introduce us. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I mean, I guess I'm going to talk about this movie. I know that which, you... as I told you before we started, I don't like these cases. Brightside, you got to watch Kiki Palmer, who really is a gift. It's true, and she is a gift, and we will talk about that. But um, I don't like these cases because I feel like a murderer has like a a very easily distinguishable, for the most part, bad guy, and a very easily distinguishable, for the most part, good person. Uh huh. And I feel like this story does not have that. And it gives me like a lack of closure. I can see that. So. All right. This week I watched Abducted, the Carlina White story. Um, it stars Ingenue Ellis. Um, she plays Anne. She is from Men of Honor, Undercover Brother. She was in Ray. Okay. Was Ray Charles. I watched Ray and like a hundred times. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she is, like, no stranger to acting. She's in a lot of, like, uh, very popular films. So um, it also stars Kiki Palmer. 
she plays Carlina. And uh, before I start, I'll get into what I do with her name, which I'm not even sure was the right thing. So um, she's mostly a singer. Well, I mean, she does both, right? She's a singer and a an actress. Kiki Palmer. Um, I think of her as an actress first. Okay. Because she also has songs out. Because I she does have I looked, I looked, yeah. she does have mm-hmm. songs out. She was the first Black Cinderella on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a talk show or had, and she is the host of the new revamped Singled Out on Quibi. By the way, okay, I haven't seen it. Also, didn't Quibi just like die a terrible death? Did it? it I, I, I yeah, did. I think so. Do you remember? I was in the test audience for it, and mm-hmm. I laughed. Yeah. I was like, "You really picked the wrong person here." Like, <laughs> no, I don't think they did. Um, she was also in Hustlers. Uh huh. Which I still haven't seen, and now I want to watch it real bad. She did a phenomenal job in Aquila and the Beast. She might be my favorite actress. Like, if I have to pick, um. She did a great job in Jump In on the Disney Channel. I'm just going to get apparently read you mm-hmm. her resume. No, um, it's fine. Go and ahead. Medea goes to jail. No, Medea's family yeah. reunion. Medea's family reunion. She's in that. And she's yeah. excellent. And she was also in a movie called Pimp and one called Berlin Station. I saw Berlin Station. I did not see Pimp. So okay. I'm going to have to watch that. Finally, it also stars somebody that I really like. Because I think she's funny as shit. Um, but she did, this is not a funny role for her. Sherry Shepard. Really? I yeah, love she, her. She plays Joy. Um, you will know her from 30 Rock. She was in Precious. Uh, one for the Money. She voiced a character in Madagascar. Um, she was on The View, which I don't like The View, but she was I, on it I for a while. I loved her on The View. She no, was wait. a very good voice of reason. She was on the View, right, and not the talk. She was on the View. The other way. She was on the View. Okay. Um, she was a very good because I actually like the talk. Yes, I like the talk. I like the talk a lot more than I like the View. I think the View gets super uh, argumentative, like to a point where it's like, okay, I don't want, like, I don't turn on my television to watch people argue. Right. You know, if I wanted to do that, I'd watch the news. Um. So we start with Joy White pulling into a prison to visit Anne. But then we just immediately flash back to 1987 when Joy is 16 and Anne is, I don't know how old, but they're both separately arriving at different hospitals, seemingly in labor. Okay. Joy's Joy's baby is born alive and Anne's baby is a stillborn. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Joy and her boyfriend are cuddling their baby, who they decide to name Carlina. Um, Anne is screaming at the doctor about why she lost her baby. He tells her that her hormone levels won't support a full-term baby. Uh, And she starts hitting him and accusing him of taking her baby. So they all hold her down and give her a shot. Um, Joy, meanwhile, brings Carlina home and the whole family prays over her. Um, Anne is now still in the hospital. She's despondent and refusing to eat. A nurse suggests they put her in a psych ward, but the doctor says no. But they also need the bed, so they're going to just send her home. No, no. No, no. I don't like that. Recenter yourself. I'm trying. Like, 
I understand that this woman like committed a crime, but also she was horribly unprepared and unequipped to handle what happened to her. Right. And this situation is awful. And that's why I hate these stories so much. Um, he tries to talk to her about adoption or fostering, and then they just wheel her out of the hospital like everything's fine. Great. Here's the thing. She has no, like, and I know people that have lost babies, had stillborn babies, etc. But this woman had no support system that I can see in this movie so far. There was no husband there, no family, nothing. They just, like, just like left her on the curb and we're like, okay, like have a nice day. Yeah. No, I'm not a, f I'm not a fan. Mm. Also probably while somebody is grieving, the loss of their baby is not the time to say you can always adopt. Yeah. Oh, and also I forgot. So her name in this movie is Carlina. And so I'm going to call her Carlina, but I'm also going to switch after she is abducted. Okay. Um, and call her by her preferred name through the rest of the movie, which is Nettie. Okay. That is her preferred name that she goes by now. Yes. And so and I, I, actually I think have a it's quote in my notes that explains that. I think it's really important to, um, and I actually do too, so it might be the same one. Um, I think it's very important to just acknowledge who she is as a person and tell her story and maybe not everyone else's. 100%. Okay. So, um, Joy takes Carlina to the park and sings to her and goes shoe shopping for reasons. Listen, when I'm grieving, I shop. Oh, I don't. Um, then she gets some scrubs and pretends to be a nurse in the mirror. I do meanwhile, not do that when I'm grieving. Meanwhile, Carlina has a fever of 104, so they take her to the hospital. They pass Anne, dressed up as a nurse in the hallway, who points them towards the children's ward. So Anne comes into the room and starts to talk to them about the baby. Um, the doctor comes in and says they're giving Carlina... Um, some antibiotics and she'll be fine. Anne goes into the waiting room and talks to Joy. She talks her into going home and getting a few hours of sleep and a shower, etc. Her boyfriend agrees to run her home real quick and then straight back to the hospital. As soon as they're gone, Anne picks up the baby and leaves with her in a duffel bag as you you do that's, I guess that's not how you carry babies that's I am a baby expert and I can tell you that is not how you carry babies a security guard gets in the elevator with her and then tells her to have a nice night I'm not a fan of that um an actual nurse discovers Carlina missing and calls Joy um who rushes back to the hospital and this is where I'm going to switch and call her um Nettie, because that is her preferred name. This is what she grew up kind of being called. It's not the name that her um, uh, kidnapping mom gave her, and it's not the name that they that she had originally, right. of course. So, um, so Joy goes to the hospital, and the cameras in the children's ward are just not working on that particular night, of course. Lucky them. The police take a sketch of Anne and show it to the media. 
Joy cries into the microphone, and back in Connecticut, Anne brings home a surprise baby, and no one thinks it's weird. The similarities between this and the other are mm-hmm. so... I'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Are, like, doing the research, I was like, wait, didn't I say this? Is Did I do this case already? Like, there were several times I had to check myself. Mm-hmm. Um... Joy puts up flyers out all over town of the baby, and she and Carl go sit in the park and watch the kids play. Obviously, she's a wreck. Um, And finally, Anne's sister asks her why it took three weeks for her to bring the baby around. And even though Anne doesn't really have a good explanation for this, they all just move on. Casual. And I mean, I guess I understand, because it's not like she wasn't actually pregnant, but also, like, Really? Right. So Joy and Carl file a $100 million lawsuit against the hospital. Carl goes and confronts the detective and tells him to find his kid because if she were white, she'd at least still be in the paper. Yep. And I feel like they glossed over a lot here because if I remember correctly... He came over under a lot of scrutiny for possibly abducting the baby himself. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. So they don't go into that at all. So, um, Anne goes to the store and sees her own wanted poster in the window. So she naturally acts as suspicious as possible. So nobody thinks it's her. Right, right. Nobody look this direction. This is an unflattering photo of me. Nobody pay attention. <laughs> um, and I just wrote here, y'all, why are they feeding this infant cow's milk? Like, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Joy and Carl get a settlement from the hospital and use it to open accounts for themselves, um, as well as a trust fund for Nettie. Afterwards, Joy breaks up with Carl because she can't look at him without seeing her baby. And this is so sad. Yes. It's now 1993 and Anne is walking Nettie to school. Anne yells in her face when she says she doesn't want to go to school, which is way harsh, Ty, especially because you abducted this child. Later, Nettie is waiting for her mom because something is about to start. Her mom is in the bathroom smoking a crack pipe or meth something and what she's waiting for is to open her presents because it's christmas oh great i hate it yeah and i just like i know drug addiction is a disease and i understand that she couldn't help that at this point and also like my meaning behind saying that is like this whole situation is right horrible it's just horrific like She and her sister get into a fight when her sister tells her to watch herself or she's going to end up in prison. Now it's 2001 um, and Nettie is 16. Joy goes to see the detective but finds out he has retired. The new detective shows her, quote unquote, the book, which is just new mugshots of people they've arrested since the last time she was there. So she like goes there like every month or every couple of months to look at mugshots of people and to see if they're people the the person that stole her daughter my gosh can you imagine well i i just hope she also draws a salary from these people for having to do their fucking job 
seriously. Um, Nettie, meanwhile, is pregnant. She's having her sweet 16. She's having a party in the daytime. And some white policemen pull up and tell them all they need to go home. Great. It is the daytime. God, this I... is why stop and frisk is so dangerous. Okay. Um, when Anne tells them they are home, he tells them to go inside because he quote unquote said so. Wh what? I am home because I said so? No. She says, I am home. And he says, you need to go inside. Oh, and okay. And she says, why? And he says, because I said my so. My brain skipped a whole part. And in my head, that conversation was, I am home. And he said, because I said so. And I was like, the fuck no. is going on here? <laughs> no. Um, Anne tells the officer off. Like, she gets in his face and starts yelling at him. And he asks her what she's on, of course. Um, she says she's high on life and then she gets in his face and she's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw me down in the street and beat me like Rodney King? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so they take her to jail. So when do we get to the happy part of this movie? Um, in about a page and a half. Okay. Um, Joy, meanwhile, is with her kids celebrating a birthday. Both of her kids tell her that maybe she should just let this netty thing go already. And what she does, what every self-respecting mother who knows way more about life than teenagers do would do. She tells them if they ever go missing, should she just let it go? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, Carl calls. He also has his own life and kids now. Um, and they have like a nice conversation. So Nettie decides to tell her mom she's pregnant and her mom is excited. Okay. I was like, your 16 year old daughter's I mean, uh, okay. Okay. I mean, I guess. it's worse. I mean, it's better than several alternatives. It is. It is. Um, Nettie has been trying to find her birth certificate because she needs to go get some paperwork done. But of course her mom is putting it off because she doesn't have one. Right. Um, so Nettie starts going through her stuff. She finds a bunch of different IDs that her mom has. And then in the bottom of a box, a birth certificate, easy peasy. So she goes down to the office of wherever to get whatever she needs done. And they tell her that her birth certificate is a forgery. And then they threaten to arrest her. Like, a 60-year-old is, like, forging a birth certificate. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, get it together. So Nettie marches home and confronts her mother, who at first gaslights her about going through her stuff, and then tells her that her birth mother left her and never, ever came back, which is fucking bold. Yeah. So Nettie asks what her mother's name was, and the story falls apart really, really quickly. And tells Nettie that she can't be mad because she took her out of a bad situation. And I just screamed, oh! Um, Nettie storms out. Um, she confronts her aunt, who says she didn't know, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe she's better off not knowing. 
Um, Anne is watching TV and sees a story about Joy and Carl still looking for their baby. Oh my gosh. Nettie, meanwhile, has her own baby, a fully grown toddler. Literally, the the chunk of a child they gave this this girl in a hospital. I'm Uh like, that that child could not have come out of a body. That child is fully grown. I love when they do that. Like he's he's memorized his lines for the show already. Yeah, he's like, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Um. And she writes to the queen herself, Miss Oprah Winfrey, to try and find her parents. So Nettie moves to Atlanta with her daughter, Maya. It's now 2010, and she's walking a six-year-old Maya to school. Um, after she gets back home, she's searching a missing baby website and comes across the information on, I mean, herself. Right. Um her aunt tries to tell her it's not her, but then she's like, you should call the number. Oh my gosh. Um, Can you imagine? No. Oh my God. No. Can you imagine like thinking your sister had a baby this whole time and then finding out that she didn't? Yeah. Like there are so many victims in this story. There's it's so horrible. many victims. That's the thing. Like they're, oh, it's the worst. Okay. So she calls and talks to them, and then all of a sudden, things move fairly quickly. And I don't know how the actual Center for Missing and Exploited Children does things, but I'm really hoping that after someone being missing for 23 years, they don't just send an email to the parents of that child saying, quote, we may have found your daughter. Please call. Oh, no. That's all. That's the whole email. Yep. No, no, no. Uh, it's no. it's a little no. more sophisticated than that, but not much. Like it's no, it's not much better than the automated emails you get whenever your child gets an F in class. I don't even get automated emails for that. I get phone calls. Oh, I we send out automated emails. I mean, I'm sure I do, but I normally get a phone call too. Um, gotcha. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um. So Joy flips the fuck out. I mean, like you do. Um, She goes and tells Carl and tells him they need to do DNA tests. She shows him a picture and they're both like convinced it's her. And I'm so glad that on the other side of this, I know it is her because the whole time I'd be like, don't get excited. Don't Uh get excited. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, They cry together. And so they all take DNA tests and Nettie confronts Anne and tells her she needs to know about her parents. And to please tell her the truth. So Anne tells her that she was a crack baby and starts screaming at her. She tells her that she should have just left her crack baby ass out on the street. Mm, That's not a good look, Anne. So Nettie kicks her out of her house. Um, Later, she starts calling all of the Joy Whites in the phone book. We flash forward and Nettie's in a taxi off to meet Joy and Carl with Maya. They all run out to greet them. They all run and cry. I cry. Everyone cries. This is a happy moment. Um, mm-hmm. It does not stay that way. Um, Nettie meets her entire extended family all at the same time, which has to be overwhelming. So overwhelming. God. 
um, they all prayed together and then tell her they didn't know what she would like, so they just made everything, which I thought was so cute. They were That's like, we really don't know adorable. what kind of food you like. So we made you macaroni and cheese and curry chicken and lasagna and like, <laughs> just take whatever you want. Um, so they have the usual problems that people in this totally fucked up situation face, I suppose. Nettie will mention her mom. And of course, Joy is taken aback, but she also handles it better than the Kamaya Mobley movie. I say Kamaya Mobley in real life, she would correct her every time she talked about her mom. She ain't your mama. Like, that was the correction she'd get every time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... So, does Nettie get, like, a better... Or is it the same? Um, no, Joy handles it with a lot more grace, too. Yeah, okay. So, because in the movie, she did. She handled it yeah. with a lot more grace. She was like, oh! And then she would just change the subject, you know. Um, Nettie's new younger sister is very, very curious about what Anne was like, what Nettie's childhood was like, etc. She caught, um, Nettie calls her Aunt Cassie to talk to her, but things are still insanely complicated, of course. Carl comes over the next day and takes her out to do dad-daughter stuff, and it's so sweet. They go walking in New York and just spend time together. When they come back, Joy rushes out to tell them that the DNA test is positive. She is their daughter. Oh. They're all happy, but you can see in Nettie's face that she feels torn. I mean, of course she does. Right. Um, Anne sits at home and watches the story on the news. She gets super paranoid and takes off with Nettie's photo. The police come knocking, but she's gone. Anne drives to a gas station, but her cards get declined. She tries to offer a computer, but they're like, no. And then a police car pulls up, so she just leaves. Nettie, Joy, and Carl do a computer for payment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nettie, Joy, and Carl do a press conference and then take her out to eat. Anne calls her. Like, she's been calling her and hanging up. And finally, Nettie's like, I know it's you. Like, say something or stop calling me. Um, She tells her that she's going to straighten all of this out. And so, like, Nettie starts screaming at her. She's like, you've never taken responsibility for anything you've ever done in your whole life. Like, how could you do this to me? You know, I mean. The same thing I would yell. Yeah. Yeah. So Anne goes to the police and turns herself in. Um, She tells them about how every time she got pregnant, her baby died. And that wasn't fair. And she just wanted someone who would love her back. Mm. That's so heartbreaking. This is horrible. I hate this. Because I want to be mad at this woman, and I am, but also, like, ugh, it's the worst. Okay. Um, they place her under arrest. Um, Nettie tells, oh, Nettie tells Joy that she wants to use the trust fund to close her life in Atlanta and maybe get a place up there. But Joy tells her that they closed out the trust when she was 21 because they needed the money. Oh, so they do go home to Atlanta. She tells her aunt that she's going to go. Oh, she tells her aunt that she's going to go by Carlina. And um, her aunt's like, don't you forget who you are. And she's like, you need to go meet with your mom, like with Anne's attorneys. And she's like, I can't do that. Um, so her aunt goes to see Anne, goes to see Anne in jail, who tells her that she has to make Nettie testify for her. But her aunt Cassie is like, um, I can't do that, and I can't continue to clean up your messes for you. Um, 
So in court and pleads not guilty for, I mean, reasons. Right. After court, she writes Nettie a letter. Um, Nettie has stopped responding to everyone. She tells Carl that, oh, Joy tells Carl that they can't lose her again. And then Joy calls her again, begging for her to call them back. Carl gives an interview just saying that he loves her and he wants her to be happy. And then Joy gives her an interview, gives an interview saying this all really hurts her because it all seems like it is about money. And I was like, dude. Yeah, it's really? about it's about a whole lot more than that. Yeah. Oh, it, it was just like a bad look. Um, so Nettie sees the interview and she changes her phone number. Nettie and Maya have a tough conversation about uh, so Maya asks where her grandmother Anne is. Right. And so they have a tough conversation about how people do bad things sometimes and they have to go away. Um, Cassie shows up to see Nettie, who is just laying in the dark and feeling sorry for herself. And I feel like, did you ever see Bad Moms? No. Oh, there's like a scene in Bad Moms where uh, Mila Kunis is like laying on the couch feeling bad for herself and her friends come in and they're like, turn off 12 Years a Slave and get the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Cassie comes and that's what I feel like I felt that in this scene Cassie apologizes for making things hard for her and for things being really hard in the first place but she tells her she has to get up and get on with her life so Nettie goes back to New York to see Joy she tells her it wasn't about the money she's just tired of people hiding things from her then they get into a, um, a heated discussion about who looked harder for whom it was very strange okay Joy says there's been so much pain and she just wants her to be happy. Joy apologizes for pushing her and tells her to take it slow. Then she gives her a birthday present. It's her birth certificate framed. Oh. Yeah. Um, back to the opening scene, Joy goes to see Anne in prison. They sit down and Joy tells Anne that she could just slap the smile right off her face. And I was like, yes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Anne asks, why she's there and joy says oh no Anne asks if that's why she's there to slap her <laughs> and joy says that she's there because she has to find a way to forgive her and asks why she did that to her Anne asks her why she's so upset because she has Nettie now and she has other kids um and said she needed joy's baby she says she thought about giving her back but then she would look at her and change her mind Anne says Joy should be thanking her for raising Nettie. And I was like, oh! Yeah, no. nope. And Joy says, quote, it's taking everything I have not to jump over this table and kill you. Good. Now remind me who played Joy? Was that Sherry Shepard? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anne starts to cry and says so she... She knows they hate her and she knows they won't forgive her, but she needed someone to love her back and she'd never felt that before. Um, they both cry. Um, Joy asks, like, why me? Like, why did you single me out? Is it because I was young and Anne was like, it had nothing to do with you. It had, and, and Joy just screams back. She said, it had everything to do with me. Yeah. Like, this woman ruined her life. I mean, oh, I hate right. this whole thing. <sighs> um, Back in court, Anne takes the stand and confesses to the kidnapping. She changes her plea to guilty and is sentenced to 12 years in prison. Carl tells Joy they need to appeal, but Joy says no, they just need to live with it. 
And like, I cannot imagine trying to navigate this situation. Oh yeah. Oh my God. What a nightmare. Nettie gives an interview that she says, and she says, her name is not Nedra, which is her name from Anne. And it, her name is not Carlina, as that was the name that was taken from her. Her name is Nettie because that name feels more like her and more like home. She and Maya leave Atlanta to go see Anne in prison. And that's really the end. Um, on July 30th, 2012, Anne Petway was sentenced to 12 years in prison for the kidnapping of Carlina White. Carlina did not attend the sentencing hearing. Carlina maintains a strong relationship with her biological parents, Joy White and Carl Tyson, and her aunt, Cassandra Petway. She still uses the name Nettie Nance. The end. Wow. All right, yes, we did pick the same quote about her identity. um, Okay. And that's how I'm... I just thought it was really powerful, yeah. Yes, like that's how my notes close. Um. So at the top, my sources, I really only stuck to three and predominantly the one I'll talk about it. Um, so first there was, of course, our good friend, Wikipedia, um, the kidnapping of of Carlina White and the New York times had an article kidnapping of baby draws 12 years. Um, but really the most informative and heartfelt and, um, humanistic, uh, article about Nettie and about Nettie's struggles and not about the craziness of the case was New York magazine kidnapped at birth by Robert Colker. And so um, he gave a voice to Nettie in a beautiful way. So shout out to him for that because, um, you know, as we all see through through any case that is outrageous, the media loves to make a circus of it. But it's like he got down to the person on the inside and not the circus that surrounded it. Um. So, in and I just you know I think in in it's like not only talking about it and covering it, but even covering it in the media. Like every, this is so fucking complicated because at the middle you and I feel like she kind of gets lost sometimes you have this girl that was kidnapped from a hospital when she was days old Mm -hmm. grew up with one person and then finds out her real parents are somebody else and I feel like this happened a lot in the 80s do you remember the switched at birth thing yeah like I always hoped that that I was like a kidnapping same but <laughs> i mean that wasn't even a kidnapping that was like a just a random like oh god we were so terrible in the 80s i don't know how any of us made it out alive right or with our proper parents we're probably all with people we don't belong to no i look just like my dad i look like my brother so my uh diamond stealing dad <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> all right so um in 2005 nidra Nettie nance was a senior in high school living in a poor section of bridgeport connecticut um, and got pregnant by the fall she couldn't hide it anymore and she didn't want to she said she was excited her cousin Brittany was pregnant too and now they could be mothers together um, but she needed prenatal care and to get the free services from the state. Um, 
So to get those, she needed to have her birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she had no relationship with her father, really. It was her mother who'd raised and supported her. Um, but when Nettie asked her about getting her documents, Anne brushed her off and just said, um, she was going to handle it. Like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to handle it. But Yeah, she says that a lot. Yeah, and then she never in the movie. handles it. Um, right. So Nettie got tired of waiting, so she searches through Anne's things and finds a document with her name and birth date on it. So she brings this to the Bureau of Vital Statistics in New Haven. Um, the clerk couldn't find her records, and Nettie gets actually really angry, um, but just generally angry. It's not like she's mad at the clerk. Um, no. Well, so, I mean... Can you imagine, like, you're doing your first, like, grown-up thing, which is, like, establishing yourself as a living, breathing human person. Right. And they're like, oh, no, that's not, that's not you. And you're like, what the, what? Right. And so as she presses the um, agent, the, a supervisor comes and basically accuses her of trying to assume a false identity. And she tells Nettie that if she keeps trying to pass off what she has as an ID, she's going to get arrested. So Nettie just throws it at them and says, well, then you can keep it and storms out of the office. I mean, so seems about right. When Nettie gets home, she tells her mother what happened. And Anne shook her head and said, I told you I was going to handle everything. Um, so after this, the... No one knows where the call came from, but most likely the supervisor at the Bureau of Vital Statistics. Um, but the Department of Children and Family Services gets called in and um, they call Nettie, they call the house for Nettie's mother. So Nettie, Nettie says later that she never knew what they talked about, but it caused an obvious shift in her mother's behavior. Um, right. And so several days later, Anne calls Nettie as she's leaving work and says that she needs to talk to her when she gets home. So when Anne comes to that door that night, she goes straight upstairs to Nettie's room. She sits down at the end of her bed. She starts crying. Um, Nettie said that actually in her whole life, she'd never seen her mother shed a single tear. And so it was very upsetting to see her mom come in and just break down. Um, And she says, she says, what are you crying for? And Anne says, your mom left you and she never came back. Um, And so from that night, it would take Nettie another seven years to learn the full story of her life, that her name was Carlina Mm -hmm. White, and that she'd been abducted in 1987 as a 19-day-old baby from Harlem Hospital and had never been seen again. Um, And this, so I was born in 1988, so she is just a little bit older than I am. Um, And so... She was born in 87, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. Joy White and Carl. I was already five. I was in school. Yep. Joy White and Carl Tyson had been the first couple among their friends to have a baby. It was 1987. Carl was 22. He was driving a truck. He was working nights in a parking garage. Joy was 16 and still in high school. Um, so that age gap already is a, is problematic. Um, it is. <laughs> They, um, they'd grown up in Harlem. I'm just going to like, I'm going to go with that and be like, it was the eighties and we didn't know anything, but also. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
let's see. They'd grown up in Harlem and were together a year when Joy called Carl one day at work saying she felt sick. Um, so obviously this pregnancy wasn't planned, but they'd stayed together. Um, and so Carlina mm-hmm. Renee White was born at Harlem Hospital on the afternoon of July 15. Um, Joy and her mother took care of the baby at her place. Oh my gosh. Huh. Her birthday's July 15. Uh-huh. My son's birthday is the 14th. Oh. Listen, if nothing else, I can relate to being pregnant in the fucking middle of July <laughs> right. when it is eight zillion degrees outside and I just wanted to die. Um, yeah, that sounds awful. Awful. So Joy and her mother would take care of the baby at, at her place and Carl would stop by af- at night after work. Um, but on August 4th, when Carlina was only 19 days old, she developed a high fever So Joy called Carl and they took the baby to Harlem hospital and on their way in Carl, Carl said he remembered being directed by a heavy set black woman in her twenties wearing a nurse's uniform. He didn't think much about Mm -hmm. it at the time, but he glanced around for her name tag and couldn't find one. Right. The doctor wanted Carlina to spend the night and Carl searched for a phone to call their mother's. When he looked back down the hall, he saw a woman in the nur- he saw the woman in the nurse's uniform again talking with Joy, and um, Joy said that the nurse told her, "quote The baby don't cry for you; you cry for the baby." Right? They they go back to this, and it's just so creepy. Yeah, like they did this in the movie. It's just creepy. Like, no the the baby does cry for you, right? So what it is, is it's this super manipulative move that's saying like, the baby doesn't need help. You're the one who needs help. Why don't you just go away? We got it here. Like, like it. Which is not the case. Babies need their mama. Right. Which not saying that she shouldn't have gone home and gotten rest. Cause I'm not going to victim blame there. Of course she should have. She, you need a shower. You need a few minutes of quiet to yourself, especially when you've had a screaming baby with 104 fever. You know, right. This situation sucks and I hate it. Um, so ready to get back to murder. The couple decided that joy would spend the night at the hospital, but first she wanted to go home and get some things. So they left the hospital together at about 1230 AM, which happened to be the same time that the nurses shift change happened. Um, so Carl drops joy off at her mother's apartment Um, And then he went home and fell asleep because Joy's mother was going to bring her back up to the hospital. Um, So Carl's phone rings a few hours later. It's about 6 a.m. And it's the police calling from Joy's mother's apartment. A detective said that Carlina was missing. Um, So the hospital had... I cannot imagine that moment. The hospital had discovered that Carlina was gone at 3.40 a.m., so then it's like how long, how much, like they left at 12. That's a three hour window unaccounted for. Like that's why now hospitals have things like um, monitors that go off. If the baby goes without a certain, out of a certain range. And uh, stuff. No. So my baby in the NICU, my darling, darling, wonderful, wonderful child. Had, like they all have these little like ankle bracelets uh-huh. and little monitor things and he would like kick because he was a real ball buster 
He liked to kick a lot. Uh-huh. And he would like kick his little thing off and it would lock down the whole unit. <laughs> they'd be like, he is, he is missing from his like little thing. And I'm like, dude, he's right here. Like, <laughs> I see him. <laughs> of course you would. Um, so when Sarah was in residency, one of her coworkers was holding a baby and she happened to be in like the corner of the corner room. Um, which was apparently outside of the range of the monitor. And so the floor got locked right. down while they were looking for the baby that she was holding in the baby's room. Like That's hilarious. Also, like um, my friend that writes books, Jenny Lawson, if you haven't read her books, go do that. Um, she talks about like when she used to work for um, one of the companies she worked for, like one of, it was like a child services tech company. And so um, somebody would have to try to like sneak a baby out of the building. <laughs> Okay. And it was like part of their job to like sneak a baby out of the, it was like a whole like baby drill day where like, That's and it was so like funny. the security guard's job to catch you, like sneaking the baby out of the building. That's <laughs> so, so funny. funny. <laughs> Apparently you can just do it in a gym bag and no one will notice. You go into the elevator with the security guard. The whole, the whole time that she's in that elevator, I'm like, cry. I'm like, cry, baby. Cry. I know you can do it. Cry. <laughs> um, so Carlina had was gone. They discovered that at 3.40 a.m. Whoever took her had unhooked her IV tubes and left the floor without being seen. The hospital claimed the baby yeah, had been how checked. How do you pull an IV out of a baby? Right. Well, and then the hospital, was like, the hospital was like, well, the baby is checked every five minutes. But it's like, oh, sure. Okay. I I believe you. Three, three hours? Three hours to determine she was gone? Yeah, so, so they said they checked every five minutes, but that's hard to believe. Um, the police yeah. believe the kidnapper must have been studying the pattern and taking Carlina at just the right interval. Um, they suspected a heavy set woman others had seen around the hospital over the last few months. She wasn't a nurse, the hospital said, but she had passed as one, even convincing other nurses that she belonged. So, like, these people had noticed a strange woman hanging around. And, like, this is the 80s, so nurses in lots of places were still in, like, nursing whites. So there's a strange woman yeah. in nurses' whites hanging around the hospital. And everybody's like, oh, I bet that strange woman took the baby. And it's like, well, if she was a strange woman then, why did you not? If you see something, say something. I also think it's so bizarre that she was there for months. Yeah. Because it does not seem that way. Like by the timeline in the movie, which I know is like bullshit because it's a lifetime movie. Right. But still, it just doesn't seem like it was months. It was like a couple of weeks in that right. movie. Um, so it's just pretty, it makes it seem more calculated, which now I feel like I got the wool pulled over my eyes. Right. Like, Wait. Yeah. You were like, I just, I feel bad for her. And I was like, no, you don't. No, you do not. I, feel I mean, a, I'm I, sure she was suffering. From I feel some a little bad mental... for her, but like, yeah, I, I will talk about it later. Uh, Cause I will get side. I do, but I don't. And I, yeah. Okay. Um. So joy thought, about the strange remark, you know, from, oh, this was taken from the article. That's when she thought about that remark. The baby don't cry for you. You cry for the baby. And Joyce said she was trying to get rid of me so she could take my baby away from me. Like, can you imagine being 16 years old and coming to the realization that you've been duped so that someone could steal your child? Yeah. Um, so 
For a time, police they thought they had the police thought they had a suspect, a 31-year-old woman named Lucy Brockington. She was wanted for car theft and fit the relevant description. Detectives tracked her down in Baltimore, questioned her, and decided she had an alibi. Um, so after that, there was nothing. No sign of the woman or the baby. Carlina White was just gone. So Anne Petway grew up in the east end of Bridgeton, Bridgeport. Um, she attended Warren Harding High School, where Nettie eventually also went. Anne was popular and fun. Um she was known for like dressing kind of outrageously. She was kind of the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teen, she served a month in jail for larceny arrest. Um, and then later okay. she was caught in a few minor theft and forgery schemes. <coughs> and then with a pot bust, but like, I don't care about that. I mean, yeah, nobody cares about pot. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, so in 1987, Anne told friends and relatives that she was pregnant. Everyone assumed the father was the boyfriend she'd been seeing on and off, Robert Nance. One of Anne's younger sisters, Cassandra Johnson. So she had several siblings, but this Aunt Cassie was the mm-hmm. one that she was closest to. Um, yeah, I think they kind of, I mean, there are a couple other siblings, like when she first brings her home. But I also think that they kind of... Um, combine everyone into to like singular characters right so um cassandra told the national center for missing and exploited children later that she first saw a baby with Anne when Anne arrived one day on a like on a train so she just kind of appears with a baby um a cousin of Anne's says that Anne left town for a period of time and then just came back with a baby but nope no one seems to have been with Anne when the baby was born. And so they all just assumed that she'd gone away to have a, the baby and then come back. And like, is, is that a ritual that I don't know about? Um, I feel like it's like a teen mom type ritual, like back when I was younger, but no, not typically. Okay. Um, cause that's also what they said in the, uh, Kamaya Mobley story. Like, when she mm-hmm. appeared, like we assume she just gone off and come back with a baby, like come gone off. Yeah, and have that's the baby. not a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So when the story of the alleged kidnapping broke, um, Nettie told New York Post that Anne was an addict. Um, that was that was Nettie's uh, like that was Nettie's terminology. She said that she was often in a drug haze. Quote, there were always drugs lying around. I used to see weapons. <laughs> So, Nettie didn't grow up in, like, the safest of homes. Um, yeah. When Anne would come down from a high, Nettie said she'd run out of the house before Anne became a monster. Um, once she said Anne hit her in the face with a shoe so hard it left a mark. Oh, my God. Um, but Nettie says... Later, Nettie kind of recanted and said she's a lot more forgiving. Um, She said that, like, there were bad situations, but that the media tried to blow up her abuse. She said that that sob stories sell, basically. Um, Yeah. No, I get that. So... 
She said Anne was never exactly tender, but she was never exactly cruel either. Was kind of her quote, right? Um, well, I I think that like, I mean, of course they want to be like, oh, this baby was stolen and then she was raised in a horrible environment and she was horribly abused and you know her life was absolutely awful and there was no good times and you know now she's back and like I mean that's just the sensationalism of you know the news, right? Um, so Anne supported Nettie by working as a janitor at the local civic center. Um, and until high school, she would send Nettie to live with her mother during the week, um, Mary. So, um, Mary lived in a slightly better part of town and that way they could, they claimed Mary's address and Nettie could go to better schools than better um, school. yeah. the school district that they lived in. Um, but also, like, I don't understand if you can't afford a kid and you can't, you don't really want one because you want your own free, like, why kid, like, you know? Yeah. You know, there is, and I can't psychoanalyze this woman. A, I've never talked to her, and B, I don't have any kind of credentials for that. But I will say right. that if there was any kind of pressure in her life, like Sarah and I experienced, so many people in our lives told us things like, well, I just don't know how you do it without kids. My life didn't begin until, or my life didn't have meaning till I became a mom. And I'm like, oh, I, know. I have lots and lots and lots of meaning. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. So I am aware of that. It's just, it doesn't seem like she's a person that maybe wanted to raise kids. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so um, Nettie was remembered by her high school, by her elementary school principal as one of her favorite students. She said... Um, that she was always so pretty and so vivacious um, was the quote from the yeah. principal, which is, it's fun that the yeah, principal but, remembered her after all that time, but like, let's not open with pretty. Let's open with smart. Yeah. Can we stop calling little girls pretty? Um, so when Nettie was about 10 and had a baby, a boy named um, Trevon, and by then, Nettie was spending much of her time with her cousins and aunts. She was especially close to Anne's sister, Cassandra. Um, she often called mm-hmm. her her bestie. Um, yes. She spent her time studying new dance steps, writing rap lyrics. She dreamt about being a model or making movies. Um, she just always dreamed about being famous, like your typical childhood kind of, you know? Of um, course, Yeah. Her cousins would speculate often that um, about her looks because Anne was very dark skinned um, and Nettie was light skinned. And um, Nettie, in fact, admitted to staring, like to gazing at pictures of Anne growing up to try to find the resemblance between them. Um, yeah. She said, everyone called me little Anne, but I didn't see a resemblance. Um, and so yeah. my guess is she probably had the same mannerisms because that will make you look like somebody real fast. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so the night that Anne told Nettie that she wasn't her mother, um, Nettie said her whole stomach just turned up. I was like, what are you saying? What the hell are you talking about? This is not my family. That's not my grandmother downstairs. Um, With each question, Anne repeated the same answer. Quote, she left you and never came back. There was nothing more to it, she insisted. 
no names, no nothing. So for weeks, Nettie kept asking, but it would never go anywhere. She said a year passed and I was like, you don't remember nothing? No. Um, so Nettie and Anne stopped discussing the matter with each other and told no one else about it. But Nettie was still curious. She had trouble believing that she had just fallen into her mother's lap. Um, her suspicions right. grew and she and Anne became more and more distant. Her relatives had said that Anne was pregnant in the summer of 1987. Was she really pregnant? Did she miscarry? Did like, did, did she? So, so Nettie was like, did she, was she really ever pregnant? Did she miscarry? Did she like, uh-huh. and how, how convenient did this all happen before a stranger handed her a baby? Like right at the same time. Right. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what raised her suspicions. So yeah. Nettie asked the department of family and, uh, Department of Children and Families, her caseworker, if her DNA could be cross-referenced with some kind of DNA database of missing children. And the caseworker said, mm-hmm. that's DNA. That's TV stuff. I um, mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So, um, Robert Nance, the man who everyone assumed was Nettie's father happened to be in jail at the time of her alleged birth. So like he couldn't even give any information. So um, Nettie really did just kind of like armchair sleuth her, her way into figuring things out. Yeah. So, and they, they say that in the movies, they're like, Oh, it's the girl that solved her own kidnapping case. I'm like, okay, but I mean, uh, mm." But should she have had to? Like, did did y'all pay her for doing your job again, I ask? Right? Uh, what was her daughter's name in the movie? Maya. Okay, so um, the daughter's name is actually Samani, which I think is a beautiful name. That is a beautiful name. So, I'm sure they had to change it because of, like, legality. I'm sure. So Samani... With, like, children and... Right. So Samani was born in 2005... Nettie got her high school diploma and she took a job working at the front desk at a motel. Um, and then when Samani turned one, she moved into her own place. Um, and then a few years later, she moved to Atlanta where her aunt Cassandra had moved just a few years earlier. Um, right. She found work in a hair salon. She did a little bit of modeling. Um, she still dreamed of becoming a rapper. Um, and sent. Nope. Anne sent cards and gifts to Samani. I hate when my East Texas comes out. Anne uh-huh. sent cards and gifts to Samani, and eventually Nedley, Nettie told Cassandra her secret. Cassandra told her to keep searching for her birth mother. Um, so late at night, Nettie found herself trolling the internet for stories of missing children. She would Google things like missing child 1987 or um, Connecticut or New Haven. She'd add in words, but the problem was she had been kidnapped from Harlem. And so it wouldn't turn up anything. Um, But she would look at these pictures of missing children. She said she'd look at the picture, um, but it wouldn't be a child that's my color. There'd be no resemblance. Right. So then in December of 2010, she kind of on a whim went to the website for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The site showed pictures of hundreds of kids from all over the country. Um, and for the first time, it dawned on her that she could be from anywhere, not just near Bridgeport. So she combed through the photo archive and saw a picture of a baby girl, a newborn who was just 19 days old when she vanished on August 4th, 1987. 
Nettie dragged the photo to her desktop and saved it. And she said her, the baby reminded her of Samani and everyone told her Samani looked just like her. So like her first clue that it was her was that it looked just like her baby. So yes. Three days before Christmas, Nettie called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and said, quote, I feel like I don't know who I am. Um, she didn't mention the photo of the baby. Um, at one point, she was so overwhelmed that she put Cassandra on the phone. Um, and so the president of the Center for Missing and Exploited Children said she was agitated. She talked about how she'd been trying to get information about her identity for five years. My sense was this was almost a call of desperation. Um, and then it was in this call that Nettie also revealed her suspicions about Anne. Quote, she said she believed the woman known to her as her mother abducted her near the time of her birth. Um, so Nettie had trouble with even like basic questions. Um, she like when they asked her her ethnicity, she said, I guess I'm African-American. But she was like, how can mm-hmm. I know? I don't I don't know anything. Um, yeah. So finally, they were like, well, do you have any details that, you know, that we could cross reference? And Cassandra was like, you have a birthmark on your right arm. Um, and the center was able to cross reference that with the records of the missing children. Um, so right. he said, the president of the center said, quote, we were ultimately, we ultimately narrowed it down to two cases. And one of those was Carlina white. And so the forensic unit compared Nettie's baby pictures with the photo of Carlina at 19 days old. Um, and, there was nothing to suggest that this was not Carlina, um, especially with the birthmark appearing in the same place. So just after Christmas, the center reached out to Joy and Carl. Joy was at work when the center emailed her photos of Nettie. So like, yeah, when you were like, I hope it's got like a little more fanfare. It really was just an email with like pictures. It was like, hey, we might have found your daughter. Well, it- maybe that's a phone call <laughs> right right or like a can you maybe come into my office a, kind of situation this is a this is a big one let me uh give her a call um no okay <laughs> so um let's see did it do it the center contacted the New York Police Department's missing persons unit. The police took DNA swabs from Carl and Joy on January 6th and then went to Georgia to get samples from Nettie shortly after that. Um, but even before the results were in, Nettie decided to call Joy. Joy was on her way home from work when the phone rang. When she called Nettie back, quote, she had me on speakerphone with all the aunts. One of the aunts was like, come home. I was happy as hell, Nettie says. But in the back of my mind, I was like, what if this is not it? And then Joy mentioned her, and then Joy mentioned her birthmark. And Nettie was overwhelmed. And she said, I, I said, wow, this is real now. So, um. So then Nettie asked Joy for Carl's information and she calls and talks to Carl for a while. Um, but she said it was a lot harder and more awkward to talk to Carl. Um, she said the mom, Joy had that motherly instinct. Um, but Carl was like talking to a complete stranger. Um, so well, yeah. f- for two weeks they talked on the phone almost constantly. Um, 
She said, we're talking all of a sudden and she's calling me. Oh, no, sorry. This is Carl. He said, quote, we're talking all of a sudden and she's calling me dad. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, I can't believe it. This is my daughter. That's my firstborn. And Joy would be trying to call too. And she would say, dad, mom's on the phone. And I was like, this girl's calling us mom and dad. And now I'm tearing up. Um, So on Saturday, January 15th, Joy paid to fly Nettie and Samani to New York to visit. Nettie had wanted them to come to her and Carl had the time, but Joy couldn't take the time off work. So, um, so instead Joy was able to get the money together to fly Nettie out to see them. Um, but as soon as Nettie landed, there was a glitch in the plan. Carl had agreed to pay for a rental car. But he couldn't be there to meet the flight. He says he was at a doctor's appointment, but Nettie says he was on the way to a casino with some friends. Um, But either way, he was not at the airport to meet her, and she was not 25 years old, so they wouldn't um, rent rent the car car, to her. So um, she called Joy, and Joy and her sister came to pick her up. Um and she said, quote, they were just staring at me going, oh, my God, you look like your dad. You look like your mom, but you got your dad's eyes. And Joy was just kind of overwhelmed with emotion, um, which, duh, naturally. <laughs> so, yeah, for um, sure. Like, ooh, so weird. They took a taxi to Joy's apartment. Joy made curry chicken, macaroni and cheese, lasagna, and oxtail. Like that, I love that they have that detail in the movie because that is a, a true real-life detail. That's amazing. I love it. She's like, what if she likes this? What if she, uh-huh. what if she's gluten free? What if she's like, I mean, now I'll be totally different. Right. Um, so let's see. Do, 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 skipping my, some of my notes that are good, but not worth it. Let's see. Um, so then they just kind of tried the bonding thing. Um, Carl and Nettie had real trouble bonding. So um, he, in fact, offered to sit with her while she got her hair done just so that they could be in the same room together. Um, he does that in the movie, too. That's that's really sweet. Um, and then, um, so, in fact, he says, I haven't seen you in 23 years. I don't care if you want to go sit in the park. I'll sit wherever you want. And she said, you know, like, it's strange having a man here while I get my hair done. And he said, I ain't a man. I'm your dad. And she said, well, the papers haven't come back yet. But, like, so she is holding him at arm's length. But she was a lot more willing to accept joy. It was just very, it's just very hard. Like, I can't imagine what this family was going through. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, of course. It was so hard. I can't, yeah. Um, so... By Tuesday, Nettie was feeling homesick for Atlanta. Um, At the airport, just before she boarded the plane, she was approached by someone she'd never seen before. She said, quote, a man came up to me. He was standing next to me and he said, are you need your Nance? I said, yeah. He said, a detective told me to tell him to call him. And I'm like, why? And he said, we got the DNA back. It came back positive. The NYPD been trying to reach Nettie, Joy, Carl. They were surprised. Sorry. I forgot to end the quote there. The NYPD had been trying to reach Nettie, Joy, and Carl. They were surprised to find out that they'd mm-hmm. all been in New York together. Um, so yeah, when Nettie got word at the airport that 
it was a positive match. They went ahead and got on the plane back for Atlanta and she didn't even call Carl and Joy. Um, and so Carl held a grudge over that. Um, cause he said, if I found out that those were my parents, I would have run back into their arms basically. But it's like, you can't dictate how other people feel. No, you can't. That's so sad. Um, so the next day the the news had broken, um, by every news outlet's estimation, no child in American history had ever been missing longer before being reunited with her parents. Um, the only case that comes close is that of JC Lee Dugard. Duggard. Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it like that. JC Lee Dugard. Is it Dugard? It's, I was right. No, okay. It's, it's Dugard. Mm-hmm. Um, the girl who was abducted and held prisoner in California for eighteen years. Um, so this was a big story. Um Let's see. And so like the media blew things out of proportion. Um, And so Nettie, so Joy told everybody just how happy she was that she could finally sleep. Um, She said, um, she said in an interview, quote, she's just like me. We like the same colors. We like our houses to be clean. We can't go to sleep without the dishes being washed. Like, just so mm-hmm. sweet that those common grounds were the things that brought joy, so much joy. Um, but yeah. Nettie said in interviews things like, I feel complete. But then she also said the attention made her feel fr- fake. She said we were in front of this camera and they were telling us to kiss on the cheeks and hold hands. Um, and I was like, this ain't even me. You know what I'm saying? We didn't even get to do this on our own yet. So why are we doing it for these people? Yeah. I mean, that that's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nettie found herself thinking a lot about Anne. It wasn't just that Anne had lied to her. She was an accused kidnapper. Now the FBI was looking for her. She was facing a federal prison sentence of 20 years to life. Um, Mm -hmm. and so when the subject of Anne came up in interviews, Nettie grew stern, refusing to look at the police sketch from 1987 or even mention Anne by name. Um, and she said, when I look at joy, I can see me with that other lady. I would always be searching for stuff we had in common, but I had nothing in common with her. Um, and then on that same interview, Joy said, quote, I want her to suffer. I want her to do some time. Like I suffered for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And they also talk about this. Yeah. In the movie. Um, so the next morning, Nettie said she wanted to go back home to Atlanta. Um, Carl and Joy couldn't believe it, but Nettie was like, I want to get back home to my kid and my place and where I belong. Um, so back in Georgia, she, um, she stops calling Joy and Carl for a while, like, or as often as she had been, the media keeps coming for her. She, um, starts to feel anxious all the time. Um, anytime somebody approaches her on the street, she starts to shake. She eventually checks into a hotel in Georgia to avoid her house because she's overwhelmed with anxiety of being approached all the time. Um, right. The calls don't stop. Um, she said that a few years earlier while she was still looking for her real mother, she'd written Oprah a letter. And now, uh, an Oprah producer was on the phone reading her letter back to her. And, um, 
<laughs> and Nettie was like, I was just like, wow, you all got it. And you're just now getting back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that. And also like how overwhelming, like all of a sudden there's people fucking everywhere that want to talk to you. Right. Um, so Joy wanted to do the show and Carl said he was fine with it. And Nettie initially said yes, but she changed her mind. Um, and although Oprah would have been like an uncomplicated celebration for Joy and Carl, Nettie was having to come to terms with the life, with the fact that she was going to have to talk for an hour about her life and childhood being a lie and sort out what that, what kind of mother Anne was because no matter what she says about Anne, it was going to be colored by the fact that Anne had lied to her her entire life. Yeah. And she, they, they also do this in the movie where she's like, I don't want to go. Cause they're all like, Ooh, let's go, you know, it'll be fun. And she's like, I don't want to go and talk about that. Like, I don't want to talk about this specific thing, you know? Right. Um, so, Nettie said that after her refusing to go on Oprah, um, that things were never the same between her and Joy and Carl. Um, that she felt like that was a rift that was kind of irreparable between them. Um, so... Anne's lawyer starts a campaign for a plea deal. Um, he hints that he'd fight the case if it went to trial, but that Anne isn't the monster that she's been made out to be in the press. Um, quote, she knows she's a good mother. She knows she gave everything she could give her and that Carlina was happy that she feels good about that, but she does feel badly and guilty about raising her and keeping the secret about how she got her. But that's still an open question, how she got her. So he basically, he's like, I'm prepared to fight this case on the grounds that nobody can prove that she kidnapped her because there's no documentation. Like there's no evidence that said she kidnapped her, which is true. There is no video of this woman taking the child. So it becomes circumstantial, but like you, you did keep a child that you did not have Mm -hmm. access to. So like, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So based on statements Anne made to the FBI after her surrender, prosecutors say Anne miscarried sometime the summer before Carlina was born um, and became desperate to become a mother. Um, her defense attorney didn't necessarily dispute that case, that fact. Um, but he says the evidence that Anne kidnapped the baby is far from conclusive. It's possible that someone else took Carlina um, and gave the baby to that face. Yes. Um, so in court, he suggested that Nettie would be a good witness for the defense. Um, the person you've identified as the victim is in fact with Miss Petway's family. They believe she has been and may continue to be for many years, a good mother. Um, so then Carl went on TV saying that Anne wasn't really sorry. And this is where it gets real messy. Um, especially Carl was like always on TV for a while. Um, oh, great. Let's see. Uh, let's. So 
Um, in fact, it wasn't lost on Carl or Joy that Nettie wasn't joining in with the people who are condemning Anne. Um, Carl mm-hmm. went on the Today Show and said, quote, I know she wants to u- unite with us, but she had but she has had this other family all these years. Um, and then he went on to the early show and claimed that everything is still all right with Nettie. He said, I just got to move forward step by step. She's 23. So it's like kind of hard to talk to a grown up that you haven't seen since she was a baby. So it's kind of a little tough, but I'm trying. Um, and then joy went on to the today show and accused Nettie of actively distancing herself from her and Carl. Um, she said, I was on such a high when I first reunited with my daughter, I was floating on air. I was so happy. And that moment was so great, but now I'm disappointed. This was a miracle that happened. It's breathtaking. And I just wanted to get that out there that we found our daughter and that we're happy. We're reunited. And I wanted to share that with the world. And it really hurts me that it's, it's all about money. Um, so, yeah, that's the interview that I talked about. In yeah. The movie. So that's when it comes out that she'd asked for her trust and they had to admit that they dissolved the trust after she was 21. Um, that it was liquidated. And then she said, Joy said, I have two other kids and I had to take care of myself and I had to live. Um, some, pro- some parents probably wouldn't put any money away, says Carl, who says he lost much of the money in a divorce. Me and Joy, we did 21 years. Um, I don't. Okay. But like, I don't think that's a like, defense. Yeah, let's let's not like shame other parents for <laughs> hypothetically not putting money away for their kidnapped child. <laughs> right. Um so as the child wears on, um things get more and more tense between Joy Carl and Nettie. Um so in May of that year, Anne's attorney announces that Nettie would be supportive in every way of Anne Petway and her kidnapping case, even testifying on her behalf if needed. And so by July, Nettie had cut off all contact with Joy and Carl. Um, so. Can you imagine like all the different directions this poor girl's being pulled in oh, I by know. every single person she meets? I know it's awful. Um, <laughs> So, um, thank you. I thought I muted my mic. I'm going to have to cut that out (laughs) or maybe I won't. You all get to hear me sneeze. You're welcome. Um, let's see. Uh, did you shoot? And it's been the last nine months. So Anne had spent, at the time of this article that I was researching from, Anne had spent the last nine months in a federal detention center in Manhattan. Um, while an FBI agent says the statements Anne made about miscarrying and desperately wanting a baby essentially amount to a confession, her defense attorney uh, intends to argue that there's no physical evidence. Like I've said, like, like this is the only thing this guy stands on, um, which is very interesting. He's put all of his eggs in one basket. Um, The judge had hoped to get the trial started before. Not a very good basket either. Right. So the trial just like takes forever to get started. So, um, 
then oh and the defense attorney is like oh also we're gonna track down that lucy brockington who they said had an alibi so like this poor woman they cleared already once he's like maybe she took the baby and gave it to my client like <laughs> which uh, yeah. why uh-huh and also she'd still be culpable for not returning the child to right. where she belongs. That makes her an accessory to kidnapping. So mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so when Robert Colker, the writer of this article, asked Nettie if she would ever want to go visit Anne in jail, Nettie makes a face and says, I don't really know. I don't like jails and I don't like hospitals. That's not what I do. And I'm not going to get out of my comfort zone. Um, and so he says, would you ever communicate with Anne again? And she said, yeah, but it's going to take a while for that to just, when I'm ready to, I know that I will just not at this moment. The hard part she says is talking about Anne with Samani. She's very close with my daughter. She did more stuff with her than I think she did with me. She took her trick or treating Christmas, Halloween school. She provided like a grandmother supposed to. My daughter still talks about her now. And when it comes to her being incarcerated, I can't say that to her yet. She doesn't know the story. She's just, I just say she's on vacation. So Nettie says that she has, changed her cell phone number several times. She's deleted all of her social media accounts. She stopped returning emails from basically everybody. Um, even the therapist she'd started seeing had no way to reach her for a time, but she did get back in contact with her therapist. Um, she says she spent, everybody needs therapy, right? Um, she said she just spent time seeking clarity for who she was. Um, and so the article in I hope you're enjoying the dog like losing its shit downstairs. I can't even hear it. Good. Um so after some time passes, Nettie does finally reach out to contact Carl and Joy. Um she said her conversation with Carl was brief, but her phone call with Joy lasted three hours. She said, quote, it's been on my conscience just to have the right words and be able to have the understanding. And I got what I wanted from my mom at least. Um, And then she said that the trust fund issue was just a misunderstanding. Um, And what really put her and joy at odds was Anne Petway. Um, I know they both want justice. I would feel the same way if someone did that to my child, but at the same time I have unconditional feelings for her. I'm willing to forgive her and I still have love for her. Um, Right. She says there was a part of me that wasn't even there. And now I feel whole, even in the beginning of the year with all the drama and stuff, I was kind of cloudy, but now I know who I am. That's the main thing. Just find out where you come from and who you are. So who is she? Is she going to remain need your Nance? No, she says, I've been trying to get my paperwork together. When I get my ID card, when I get my ID and everything, it will say Carlina white. But there's a caveat. When someone asks me what my name is, she says, I say Nettie. I don't tell them my name is Nidra. I don't tell them Carlina. Nettie's not what the Petway family gave me or what the White family gave me. It's what I call myself. Aww. So that's the awful heartbreaking case of the kidnapping God, of Carlina White and the discovery of Nidra Nettie Nance. Yay. Well, wherever she is now, I hope she's happy and healthy 
and wonderful. Absolutely. You know, this situation is just awful. Say something funny. Say something funny? Um, Oh, man. Well, I don't know about funny, but next week we have a bonkers case, and I cannot wait to share it with you. Oh, I'm excited. Because I've already done my notes. Um, You picked the movie. I haven't yet. Obviously. Um, (laughs) So... I am so the excited. The movie is to like share. a wife's nightmare, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Should be good. And like I said at the opening, as this episode goes live, we're in a new world. Um, and I say that with reservation. I would be remiss to say that I don't have a little bit of fear about what's coming on Wednesday. So, oh, of course I do. Yeah. I, I am urging everybody to stay safe. To please hold your family tight. And um to to stay strong and stay educated. I think that information and education are the best weapons we can afford ourselves right now. Um like mm-hmm. we we often talk about being in a dystopian society but like we we really are in some kind of weird offshoot of 1984 that I was not prepared for Did you thinking of 1984 Did you see how Senator what's his butt um lost his book deal lost his book deal and he compared it to 1984 yes <laughs> and somebody responded and was like oh yeah but george orwell was published actually got published yes um he, he also <laughs> said that it was an affront to his first amendment rights and it's like um pre- pretty sure the the founding fathers didn't give a fuck if you got a book deal yeah, I mean, if that's my first minute rights for a book deal, then I need to talk to someone at Simon and Schuster. <laughs> I, I need to speak with the manager of America right now. Yeah. <laughs> God, I don't even know who that is right now, and I, you know what? I don't want to know. <laughs> um, oh, hey, I, I think. Hold on, let me check before I lie to you. Um, yesterday, as we record was Betty White's 99th birthday. So happy birthday birthday to Queen Betty. You know who else's birthday it was? No. Oh, God. I can't think of his name now. James Earl Jones. Oh, really? Mufasa. Mm -hmm. All right. Darth Vader. Well, no one one cares about that. We're Star Wars people. Uh, I do. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Lots of birthdays yesterday. Good times. Everybody's safe. Betty White is still with us and happy. So that's always good. Yes. And I feel like we are actually very close to another. Um, actually, as this episode comes out, it will have been yesterday. But for me and you in real time, it's tomorrow is Queen Dolly's 75th birthday. Well, wow. 75th? Yeah. That doesn't feel like old enough. Dolly Parton is 75 tomorrow or yesterday as people are listening Aww. to this. So happy birthday to the true Queens of America. Um, and Stacey Abrams, you know, completes the trifecta, but <laughs> if, her, yeah. if her birthday's that day in the middle, I'm just going to scream. That would be too perfect. 
Let's see. Yeah. Uh, nope, December 9th. You're right, 1946. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, I strongly encourage you to find us on all the social media platforms that Aaron is about to tell you all about. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Find us on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. That's a new one. You can always email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com or go to our website to find show notes and other fun things. Um, Lifetime Sentence.com. Absolutely. Did you say Patreon? Did I miss one? Oh, patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, we do all kinds of random shit over there. It's really fun. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so until next week, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.